Uh, We continue in our series this morning called Surprise, the Amazing Acts of God. We're looking at all of the amazing and surprising things that God did in the early church uh, as recorded in the book of Acts. I've also invited you as we are in this series to think about surprising things that you might do as you live out your faith uh, with and around other people, and I've heard so many great stories again this week. Uh, uh, one of you shared that how you uh, frequent a quick sack a grocery uh, convenience store and how you always try to take the things that the people that work there enjoy eating and doing uh, and sharing gifts with them and just things like that. I encourage you to be thinking about ways that you can live out your faith in surprising and loving ways with the people around you. Today our passage of scripture is this text from Acts chapter 11 verses 1 through 18 and the title of the sermon today is an unexpected change of menu. An unexpected change of menu. Now, I grew up down in Giles County, and it was before 2003 and 2004. Uh, I grew up in the home where Mama cooked a meal every single night. And we always had one form of meat, and one form of vegetable, and one form of bean, and one form of bread. And the bread was almost always cornbread because you could crumble that up into some buttermilk for a great late night snack with some buttermilk and bread. I'm sure you're just, your mouth is salivating at the sound of that. Uh, My mother called what she cooked uh, good old-fashioned country cooking. And that's all I ever knew growing up. Uh, I mean, we had the same menus on the same night of the week every week. You could just set your, your mind to it. On Friday night, it was going to always be hamburgers. On Saturday, it was going to always be steak. On Sunday, it was going to be roast beef because she could put that on before church started and it'd cook all day long. And we would enjoy it at the end of the day. It, it was just a wonderful, wonderful meal. But my culinary palate was somewhat restricted growing up in Giles County. I mean, good old-fashioned country cooking is about the only kind of cooking that I had ever known. I mean, I could probably count on one or maybe two hands the number of times that we ever went out to eat when I was growing up. It had to be a real special occasion for us to go out. And we would celebrate the special occasion by going to the Lawrenceburg Shoney's. I mean, that's kind of the environment that I grew up in. Uh, My palate was so restricted that I can actually remember the very first time that I went to a restaurant whose fare of food wasn't your traditional good old-fashioned country cooking. It was when uh, friend Ted and his parents invited me to drive down to Huntsville, Alabama with them to what was then the new Madison Square Mall. And the Madison Square Mall had a restaurant on the premises called Chi-Chi's. They claim it was Mexican food, although now that I'm a little older, I really question whether or not you can call that good Mexican food. But I can remember going like 13 years of age and I remember opening the menu and I was like all sorts of things that I couldn't even pronounce. And I mean, I'm thinking to myself, if you can't pronounce it, then why in the world would you eat it? 
But it was things like chimichanga, which I learned later was actually chimichanga. And things like tamales, which I learned later were tamales. And there was even this one dish on the menu that was named after a nice dress shirt. It was called Polo Magnifico. I since learned that the polo, you're supposed to roll those L's. But I was completely clueless as I was looking at all of this food on this menu. I'd never had anything like any of this stuff. And so I kept looking and looking on the menu. And finally I found one thing that sounded as close to good old-fashioned country cooking as I was going to get on this menu. It was a New York State strip state. And even that's questionable on the country part because after all it came from New York, right? But I decided I was going to order that. It was the safest thing on the menu for me to eat. And, and, and my friends, and, and especially my friends' parents, were inviting me to try something new. They're like, Tommy, we're, we've got, we're paying for your meal. So if you don't like it, we can send it back and we can get you that New York strip steak that you're wanting to order but why don't you broaden your horizons a little bit why don't you expand your possibilities a little bit and I I uh, politely but absolutely said no I am going to stick with what I know I'm going to eat that steak well they ordered some appetizers and the appetizers came to the to the table and one of the appetizers was chip and chips and dip and I remember looking at the dip thinking, man, that cheese has been sitting out a few days. It was like really dark brown, greenish color. And it looked like it was just, uh, 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 it looked awful. And they said, Tommy, this is guacamole. And they said, you ought to try some of this guacamole. And I'm like, uh-uh, I'm not trying any guacamole. Where's the cheese? Where's the salsa? And, and so throughout the whole course of the meal, as we're sitting there eating those appetizers, they kept encouraging me to try the guacamole. I kept politely but absolutely saying no. And finally, I realized they were just not going to give up. So the best thing for me to do in this situation is just to try the guacamole, prove to myself and to them that I don't like it, and then we'll move on about our day. And so I tried some of that guacamole, and I absolutely loved it. I didn't realize this at the time, but my friend Ted, his parents had grown up in Texas, and so they, they loved Mexican food. There wasn't a lot of Mexican food offered in those days around these parts. And so whenever we would go to Huntsville together, we would frequent that restaurant, Chi-Chi's, all the time. And, and the more I went, the, the bolder I got, and the more I would try some of those other things on the menu and ended up enjoying them all, so much so that today that I'll pretty much eat anything once to try it because I realize that when you're open to changing your menu a little bit, boy, uh, you, you might learn to appreciate it and, and love it. And I suspect that you've had some of those same experiences. There's probably something in your life that at one point you thought, there's no way I could like this food. There's just no way that I would find this enjoyable. And then somebody convinced you to at least give it a try. And you tried it. And you ended up saying, oh my goodness, my life has been forever changed now that I've eaten this particular food. Now that the menu has been 
expanded. Well, in our scripture lesson this morning, uh, there is this Gentile man. And a Gentile means he's not Jewish. He's never been Jewish. Uh, He is actually a captain in the Italian guard. His name is Cornelius. He lives in Caesarea. Um, He, one afternoon, has a vision. And and, and in this vision, uh, an angel of the Lord comes to him. And this angel of the Lord looks as real to Cornelius as his next door neighbor. And this angel of the Lord says to Cornelius, you know, the Lord has been thinking about you. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to send some folks and I want you to send them to the city of Joppa. And I want you to find a man by the name of Peter. He is an apostle of Jesus Christ. I want you to go and find Peter and and have him brought back to you so that you can hear what Peter has to say. Well, the angel of the Lord disappears and Cornelius says, okay, well... I'm going to obey the command of this angel of the Lord. So he sends three people from Caesarea to Joppa to find this man, Peter. About the same time that those three men arrive in Joppa looking for this apostle Peter, Luke in the book of Acts tells us that this apostle Peter is out on a balcony praying. And Luke doesn't tell us what he's praying about, But Luke does tell us what he's thinking about. He's thinking about food. He's hungry. And because Peter is this great Jewish man uh, raised in the Jewish tradition, he's thinking about good old-fashioned Jewish cooking. And then all of a sudden, while he's waiting for his food to be prepared... Peter enters into a trance-like state. And the Scripture says that when he entered into a trance-like state, that all of a sudden the skies opened up and this sheet uh, started descending. And and I'm using one of the children's bags because I wanted the gummy treats out of it. And I thought this would make a great sermon illustration. So the the, the sheet kind of comes down like this. It's almost like people are holding the four corners of it. And so on top of this sheet are all sorts of animals that are not included in a good old-fashioned Jewish meal. And as he's looking at all of these animals that he has, and all his people, all his ancestors have considered unclean and not kosher, he hears a voice, and the voice says, Peter, go kill and eat. And just like I did in that chi-chi's, I'm sure that Peter politely, but he absolutely declined the invitation to change the menu. Because this had never been a part of his menu. It had never been a part of his palate. But this is more than just not eating it because he hadn't uh, ever eaten it before. Peter understood that to eat this meal would have been to engage in sin. Because that's what the Jewish law had said to him. That in the same way that killing is a sin, in the same way that stealing is a sin, in the same way that adultery is a sin, to eat the the animals that were on that sheet would have been sinful for Peter to do. 
And yet this voice came as he's having this vision and the voice says, go kill and eat. And then he refuses and the voice says again, if God says it's okay, it's okay. And then all of a sudden, the sheet and the voice are gone. And so while Peter's trying to make sense of this vision that he just had, there's a knock at the door. And and as the door is being knocked on, Peter senses the Holy Spirit speaking to him. And the Holy Spirit says, I have sent the people that are knocking on your door to you. I want you to go and I want you to do exactly what they ask you to do. And so Peter goes downstairs, he opens up the door, and he says, look, I think I'm the guy you're looking for. What's going on? And it's at this point that those three men from Caesarea began to tell uh, Peter what had happened to their friend Cornelius. How Cornelius had had this vision, how Cornelius had been told by an angel of the Lord that looked as real as his next-door neighbor that they needed to come and find Peter and bring Peter back to Caesarea so that Cornelius could hear what he would have to say. And so Peter goes. And when Peter gets to Cornelius' house, he acknowledges how unusual this is. He says, people like me, a good, faithful Jew, don't typically hang out with people like you, a Gentile. And and he acknowledged that uh, how people like him certainly would never eat at the same table and eat the same things as Gentiles would eat because Steeped in the Jewish tradition and the Jewish law, there were so many things that he was forbidden to eat that Cornelius and people like him would have found perfectly okay. And he communicated to Peter. He said, you know, but the Lord has been... uh, Peter communicated to Cornelius and said, the Lord has really been working on me though, man. You know, I've I've had this vision, and and one of the things that I think this vision is trying to tell me is that there's no one animal that's better than another animal. And and the fact that I'm here now in your house makes me think that it's just in the same way that there's no one animal that's better than another animal, that there's no one race that's better than another race. And, and, And just as I'm sitting here in this home right now, I've become to realize that Actually, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what you eat. If you want a relationship with God, then God wants a relationship with you. And as Peter is telling this story, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit descends in all of its power and especially on those Gentiles to whom Peter is speaking. And in the same way that it happened to Peter and his friends in Jerusalem, the same Holy Spirit that fell upon the Jewish Christians is now falling upon the Gentile Christians. And everybody in that home was baptized in the name of Jesus. That was such a surprise to everybody in that room. I am absolutely convinced. And I'm sure that they had so many questions and I'm sure that they had so many stories that they wanted to hear about what they'd seen and heard Jesus do. Those Gentile, they invited Peter and his company to stay with them for a few more days. Well, news travels fast. And the news got back to Jerusalem and the Jewish Christians there before Peter even got back there. And they didn't like it at all. 
Because what they had heard is that Peter had done a couple of things that for thousands of years they had been told you could not do. Peter had gone and hung out with people that he shouldn't have been hanging out with. Peter had actually eaten some of the food that he should not have eaten with. And and he had violated the commandments of God that had been in place for thousands and thousands of years. And so when Peter got there, he had some explaining to do. He had to try to help them to understand what, what had happened. And so Peter said, look, I want you to know that, that, that uh, everything I did is because God wanted me to do it. God is the one that changed the, the guest list at the meal. God is the one who changed the menu at the meal. God is the one who decided that the mark of God's people would no longer be circumcision and would no longer be what you eat, but the mark of God's people would now be the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that descends not just on Jews, but on all people. This Holy Spirit is the one that that helped assure Peter that everything that was happening was of God. And then something happened that may be even more surprising than anything that's happened so far. If you think it's surprising that that a, a good Jewish man would go and hang out and eat with Gentiles, if you think it's surprising that, that the same Holy Spirit that fell on the Jews then fell on the Gentiles, then certainly you would find it surprising that when Peter is trying to explain this, that everybody in the church silently considered it. Because that don't happen anymore. Every time we do anything in this church, people are always quick to chirp up about it, whether they like it or whether they don't like it. They're going to let you know. They're going to let you know immediately. You don't have to worry about what people are thinking. But in this Scripture, it says that the people silently considered this new thing that God was doing. And amazingly enough, when they took time to silently consider what God was up to, they ended up praising God and thanking God that the limited menu that they had grown up with was now being expanded in ways that before they thought would have been absolutely an abomination. It got bigger. The circle got wider. And everybody there Jews and Gentiles alike praised God. I wonder in what ways might God be trying to widen our menu? In what ways might God be wanting to do a new thing that feels really uncomfortable? That it feels like it goes against everything we've ever heard or ever thought or ever been taught. And yet, God's just asking us to silently consider it. That the same Spirit that has moved in God's people throughout the course of history may be moving again. Maybe it's time for an unlikely change of menu in our lives, in our church, in our world. And may we be open to that, to silently consider 
and praise God.